Hey, everybody. Got an amazing show today, a great guest. You don't want to miss it. I've been talking to this person for quite some time to try to get her on this show, and I've finally been successful. Hang tight. You don't want to miss this episode of The Last 10%. Welcome to The Last 10%. Your host, Dallas Burnett, dives into incredible conversations that will inspire you to finish well and finish strong. Listen as guests share their journeys and valuable advice on living in the last 10%. If you are a leader, a coach, a business owner, or someone looking to level up, you are in the right place. Remember, you can give 90% effort and make it a long way, but it's finding out how to unlock the last 10% that makes all the difference in your life, your relationships, and your work. Now, here's Dallas. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dallas Burnett in Thrive Studios, sitting in my 1905 Koch Brothers Barber chair, and more importantly, have a very, very special guest today, entrepreneur, Enneagram coach extraordinaire, marriage and family therapist, mom, and my wife, Danielle Burnett. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. You have been trying to talk me into this for quite some time. I love that you opened with that. <laughs> yes. So we are a few episodes into the last 10%. And one of the things that we are all about in Think, Move, Thrive in the last 10% is assessments and setting that baseline again set up. So you have over the last few years been on a journey and really discovered how much you enjoy and love coaching the Enneagram. And so we want to just have you tell everybody a little bit about it today. But before we get into okay. that, why don't you just tell everybody, give them some background on who Danielle is and tell them your story. All righty. Well, I'm Danielle and I've been married to this wonderful guy for almost 20 years, <laughs> which is great. I think it's great that I had a master's in marriage therapy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we didn't talk about this before the show. Come on now. <laughs> that wasn't in the show. That's not in the notes. But through college, you know, I, I went to Converse and graduated undergrad. And actually, my parents have a wonderful business. And so to saw them through the lens of small business and family business, doing hair and all comes back to my granddaddy who's 92. He's still cutting hair and inspirational. And so when I thought about what do I want to do with my life and what gifts do I have and what can I offer? I started doing hair, you know, after graduating college, that's what I knew and I loved it. And then several years after doing that, I segued into, which is a big jump, but I segued into a career in pharmaceutical sales. And I loved it. I loved talking to people. I loved selling great products. I loved all the things that the industry had to offer. I loved meeting the receptionists and nurses and doctors and all of that. So I've just always been a people person, loved talking with people. And even in undergrad, I don't know, probably start, starting the maybe middle school, I was that person that other people would find and they would just spill everything to me. And they would just, I don't know, they would just... Tell me all their life story. And I know you've always laughed about that, Dallas, because you're like, that never happened oh, listen, to me, Danielle. Listen, that doesn't happen. They'll stop you in a grocery store, at a gas station. It doesn't matter. And yeah, no, I've witnessed that. What is thing. ironic about it is that you're interviewing all these people on here, and then you are, you <laughs> inadvertently, you're getting their life story. 
It's a, it's so a re- role funny. reversal, right? So all that being said, I knew that I wanted to do my master's in counseling, even though I did hair and then I went to pharmaceutical sales. I knew that was something that I loved and wanted to do. So I wound up getting my master's in marriage and family therapy, did all the hours for that, loved that, graduated. But I couldn't give my, my career in pharmaceutical sales up. So I went back to that and through you know, that time and now and I have an Airbnb that we manage and love that, love hosting. But in the past few years, I've just come back to my love for counseling, my love for people, just helping people work through problems. I've served on church staff before and, and done that. And of course, I use those skills all the time, but that kind of brings me to the Enneagram. So I got certified as an Enneagram coach and an, as an Enneagram consultant and It took me a while to understand what in the world is the Enneagram and how is it different from other personality tests. And so I really love it. I really have grown to love it. And the more I get to know about it, it's a deep well. And I just learn so much more about myself and other people. And so with Think Me Thrive, we've been able to do some workshops and it's just been a really great experience. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So let's jump back because you said a lot there. Number one, you talked about your grandfather, so I got to give a little shout out. The first time I met your grandfather, who is 92 and still cuts hair in his barbershop salon right now mm-hmm. at 92, which is incredible mm-hmm. in and of itself. But the first time I met him and all you guys out there that have short hair, you know what it is to go in and just say, I want a number two. Usually a barber will get out a guard and put it on his barber shears, whatever they call them. I don't even know what they call them, Danielle, but shears. shears. You know, I got right. it. I got it. 20 years and I finally got the lingo. But then he goes and freehands the whole thing at a number two. He freehands it with a, with an open blade and a comb and it's perfect. And he does it in like six mm-hmm. minutes flat. And so yeah, that's it's the right. first time yeah. I ever, I was scared to death. And he sits me down in the chair and six minutes later, I was like, I'm bald. I know I'm bald. I got up. It was perfect. He had no guard. <laughs> it, was perfect. it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And he's been cutting hair yeah. for over 70 years and yeah. an amazing testament. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll get him on the last 10% to talk about. Well, it does talk about, it speaks to finishing strong. Yeah, Yeah, it's an amazing man and loves it too and loves it. Mm -hmm. Big shout out to him. The other thing is, I think too, you had that love for counseling. And I think it's interesting because just from my perspective, watching you, you got out of the master's, you did go back to pharmaceuticals, but there was so many tools that you took. And I think this is something that the listeners should always remember as we're talking about the last 10%, you can pick things up no matter where you are in your career or where you are in your journey, you're going to pick things up and put them in a tool belt that you can always use later. And I saw that with you coming through the masters. Yes, you were trained as a clinical marriage and family therapist, a very structured master's degree. But in that degree, you were given so many tools that I saw you use in all these other areas of your life. I don't think you necessarily Mm -hmm. gave it up. You gave up, you just didn't go into it professionally at that time, full time, but but you would be operating in that capacity in pharmaceuticals with your team members and with the manager. And it was just amazing to see how you were using some of those tools and you were asked to coach these other team members as a part of that. And it's your growth and path you get out and have served in different ministry roles and things like that. So it's just interesting because now you've moved and transitioned into this Enneagram consultant and it's reemerged again in a different way. But I see yeah. that as if you're listening out there and you're in something and you go, and especially if you're coming out of school and you're discouraged because you're not doing exactly what you were trying to do in school, man, just take what you can out of it and don't lose everything because there's a lot of tools that you can get along the way. Thank you, Dallas. Yeah. And I would say, and you've been a big part of encouraging me through all of that, you don't have to come out and do exactly what you learned and that you thought at one time 
it would look like because my love and gifting doesn't have to look the same way in each year of my life. So that's neat. So let's yeah. talk about the Enneagram. I want to get into it. I want to, I want to unpack this because some people are Enneagram crazy. They just love it. They eat it up. It's like an ice cream sundae. Other people <laughs> are like, what is that? So there's this broad spectrum out there of people that know what yeah. Enneagram assessment is and don't know. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Enneagram is, where it came from and what you like? Yeah, I sure can. Just as a kind of surface high level, in the 1960s and 70s, a guy from Bolivia packaged the Enneagram to what it looks like today. There's a lot of different variations to the Enneagram that you'll find out there because you so you can go online and you can look up Enneagram and there's a lot of different places that you can find it and there might be a few differences here and there. But essentially, there are nine types, so nine personalities, and we have our own words we use at Think Move Thrive to describe them. And in fact, Dallas, we have to talk about Mr. Emmy. Yeah. <laughs> I still like having a little bit of a lighthearted approach to looking at his cute little self around the Enneagram circle. And he portrays each number and what that personality kind of embodies. So yeah. Really so, so let's talk yeah. about that for a second. Cause think move thrive. We've got the, the website up with the assessment on it, with the Enneagram. And of course we do a podcast the week that we take everything down, except for the link because we're rebuilding the entire page for Enneagram assessments. So of course we do the Enneagram assessment podcast on the exact on the week that we take everything down. But the good news okay. is for all our listeners, like in a week or two, whenever our wonderful designers are back and they launch the new page on the site, you'll see the any that we're talking about all over the new page. Now, if I'm an any type, does that mean that I'm pretty locked in? So if I'm a type mm -hmm. four or type seven, or type nine, what does that mean? Is that? Yeah, how locked are you into it? And I would say the biggest takeaway from doing the Enneagram, even taking an assessment for the Enneagram, is that it really starts with self-discovery. And you and I have talked a lot about that. It starts with self-awareness. Go read the book. Go read all nine types. Read all the descriptions mm. and see which one you resonate with mm. or what resonates with you. Mm. And so... I think what's most important is to not let somebody tell you, hey, you're a type three. Oh, yeah. I think it's important for you to discover that. And yeah. in our workshops that we do, we have an idea of connecting the dots. And we use that as an acronym. The first thing is to discover. And for me, even as I got certified in the Enneagram, it's taken me a year and a half. I've been wrestling with some of the ideas about my own person, like my self-awareness. And I'm still learning because it's just a process to learn about yourself. So all that being said, I don't want to lock anybody in to any number, but I do think when, when a person discovers these types, they will very clearly see themselves. And what they'll see is that one dominant type will emerge. So let's just say the top, the dominant type of three will emerge for a person. Right. So if you look around the circle of the Enneagram, like I said, it's nine types and they're all kind of in a circular pattern. So it's one, two, three, let's go over to three. The types on either side of that three, we call those in the Enneagram world, the wings of that dominant type. So the adjacent numbers. So mm -hmm. four are the, are the wings of three. Is that what yeah. you're saying? So you could be, have a wing. So that could be your wing type. Back to your thought about being locked in. I don't know that, I don't know that anybody's locked in the Enneagram because like, for instance, I'm a three 
with a wing of two, but I don't know. Sometimes my two is really strong and I almost think I'm a two with a wing of a three. So hopefully as a listener is listening to me, they can gain some understanding of whatever your dominant type is, that type that you lean to maybe 20% of the time or maybe 50% of the time. You need to also discover that personality type. I kind of see, I kind of see it almost like a color wheel. It's almost like a hue. Like there's a transition between yellow, orange, and red. See what you're saying. Because there's a little bit of red in the orange and there's a little bit of yellow in the orange. And you're just kind of somewhere, unless you're a really strong personality Mm -hmm. type. But I also think Mm -hmm. that it's really interesting because I do think you can take in a, take, read a book on the Enneagram, or you can take a quick assessment if you don't like to unpack a long 150. Yeah. It's a very, it's a quick way to do it. The other thing is though, I think that one of the things that, and I'll throw a curveball here to the listeners. One of the things that when you talk about self-awareness and we always talk about it, think, move, thrive. And one of the things that we are trying to increase with all the things that we do in the conversational leadership, whether it's the app or the journals or anything, is that self-awareness piece. We think it is a foundational cornerstone of leadership. And what I've realized is that I'm a number, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but I'm not the same number in a stressful environment or if I'm under stress. So if you're going to the Mm -hmm. office every day in a really toxic environment, your team members may experience you in a completely different way. And they go, oh, he's, he or she is definitely this number, this personality type. And then Mm -hmm. you're not. And they're surprised. What? Because you're under stress or you Mm -hmm. feel threatened. Yeah, I'll speak to that a little bit. So for those of you who don't know anything about the Enneagram, I'll give a little surface, little explanation. Basically what you're talking about, Dallas, is what the Enneagram would call an arrow. And it sounds crazy with the wings and the arrows, but if you'll follow me, so if I go back to that three example, or actually let's take you for an example. Oh man, it's getting real. It's getting real. (laughs) It's getting real. So we've taken the test. We've read read books. We've had this process of self-discovery and all this. So I think we're confident to say that you are a seven personality on the Enneagram, Dallas, maybe with a wing of eight. You heard it here first, everybody in the last 10%. I am a seven. Yeah. And so sometimes that that personality is called the adventurer. They are called the generalist because they're great at a lot of things. And the enthusiast, you can hear that. I can hear that just your laugh. Like you always are enthusiastic. A seven is somebody who can tell stories at the dinner table and has everybody laughing until they cry. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is true of Dallas. We do like having fun. We like having fun in the last 10% for sure. You got it. All right. But let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about the area. Now what happens, what happens when I get stressed? Now you're going to tell stories on me on the, remember we're on the air. (laughs) (laughs) I won't get too crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But so this is one of the things that I love about the Enneagram. And I think it's what separates it from other personalities tests out there and assessments out there. So the Enneagram, and I'll just say this and I'll go and talk about the errors. The Enneagram shows a person when they're healthy. It tells you a lot about how they look when they're healthy. It tells a lot about a person when they're unhealthy. So mm. a seven in health and in unhealth, mm. right? So just gaining awareness of them, you can even ask the question like, is this true of me? And then discover that. And I have found for me and other friends and relationships that it is true. So back to the seven. So sevens, when they are in a period of stress, will move to across a type across the Enneagram diagram. And in this case, for a seven, they'll move to the number one. And so the number one, we call that person a reformer, an improver. Sometimes people call them, call them a perfectionist. I don't love that term because it can be construed as negative. 
I think every type is positive. I think every type is awesome and has strengths and can be a leader at that. So all that being said, when you're in a stressful place and you move to that arrow of stress, you take on the negative qualities of that type. So in this example of a seven, they're very spontaneous. They're very fun loving. They're laughing. And in their spontaneity, they have a lot of the balls that they're juggling. And when they feel stress, it's interesting. You and I've laughed about this so much. You'll see that they start controlling things more in their own life. They might go and clean out their closet, yeah. for instance. They might go and clean up their office. Yes. Because everything else seems like it's gotten a little bit too little bit, far away. A little bit too like crazy. Too, yeah. A little bit too crazy. Yeah. yeah. You see me so, cleaning my closet. You see me straightening up my desk and it is game on. We are in, we're not in a good space. That's <laughs> right, interesting. Right. What I like about what you're saying is, and this is what I feel like with the Enneagram is one of the reasons that we started offering this first. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. assessments out there. There's a lot of great assessments out there. We think you should take them all. I have. I've taken, yeah. I can't tell you how many assessments I've taken. But There's a lot of them that we love. We yeah. love a lot of assessments. But the reason that we chose this one in particular to start with by offering it on thinkmethrive.com is because, in my opinion, it gives, it really gets to the root the drivers, those things that are under the surface. There's a lot of assessments that will take external factors. You're extroverted or you're introverted yeah. or you're dominant in the room or you're, you're a thinker or whatever. It takes the kind of what's what everybody perceives on the outside. And mm -hmm. this, it just, the Enneagram, it's almost like it backs up and jumps down and just goes into the gut. Just like what comes it out, does. that driver, mm -hmm. that core, what are you afraid of? What are you, yeah. when you get stressed, what do you do? And you got these nine different types that tend to emerge. And it's, mm -hmm. to me, it's fascinating as well. And it, it is very mm -hmm. interesting how well it, it captured my personality in that way. Yeah, I love it. And if you think of each type, you can think of how is that person wanting to achieve purpose and what motivates them mm. to have that have purpose in their life, have joy, have happiness in their life, have fulfillment in their life. Mm. And so just for instance, a number three personality would be an achiever. And there's other words that we use to describe that personality, but they feel really great when they've met a goal. And yes, to, to attain that feeling of great purpose. Now that's really good. And I think that the way you summed that up and said that it's the way you want to, you know, try to attain a purpose or you go after what's driving you. Yeah. I think that's an interesting way to put it. I agree with that. And uh, yeah. so tell us a little bit about, so we want to talk about it as it relates to the individual. We've talked about self-awareness and all the different nine types and we can offer you can oh by the way you can go to thinkmovethrive.com and go to the assessments page you can take this we have the assessment up for free you can take the assessment for free if you want to and yep. we also will have the next next week or two have the whole page that has all the nine types even if you don't even take the assessment you'll be able to see the little innies with the nine types but you can see that for free and so for someone who is just wanting to maybe experiment and try it out the first time, that's a good step. If you're, you do that and you're like, man, I'm hungry for this and want more, then you can get the full report. But I would say for the person that's, that maybe is in a place where they just either one of two things, either they're on the line, they just don't know how to pick apart the different types and maybe where they are sitting or they're getting somebody that's telling them some other feedback. I think that's where the coach really comes in. 
and ask some yeah. really great questions and people get value from that. The other place that I think a coach, an Enneagram coach is very successful and adds a tremendous amount of value, and especially what you're doing with the different organizations that you've gone into is in the, is in, as it relates to teams. And that's one of the things we even included in the assessment, which you wrote, which I was awesome that I thought made it very unique is more, it had more of a bent on what is this? Cause we've talked about what is it, what does your personality mean to you? But then how does that kind of play out when you're in the, when you're bringing the, the strengths and weaknesses to a team? And when you go in and do these workshops, tell, tell us a little bit about the workshops that you do yeah. and some experiences you've had in those. Yeah, I'll talk a lot about the workshops in a second. But one thing that just sprang to my mind when you were just saying that about the portion that we have included in that long report on teams, a big portion of what I've written on there is what the Enneagram would call a triad. Okay, so now we've introduced another word. So we have the wing, the arrows. Now we have a triad. It's like so college level break, education here. Yeah. <laughs> what about all this? Wing. What I, love, yeah. what I love about it, so hang with me. What I love about it is it breaks down how people make decisions. Mm. And I, see, I think that is truly helpful when you are on a team with somebody else who makes decisions differently than yes. you do, yes. you can understand them uh, instead of being annoyed by them yes. or being frustrated by yes. them. So in a lot of the workshops that we've done, that I don't know that's the greatest takeaway, but it is a great takeaway for us to go through each type and say, hey, do you have anybody on your team that is this type? Okay, when they're in stress, what are they like? But then thinking about how they process information, how do they make decisions? And so I'll just take a second now to talk about that. So in the Enneagram, if you break up the nine numbers into buckets of three, some people call those processing centers. And so really it is how you process information. And you could easily just think of it. One group processes from their heart. One group processes from their mind, their thought, their thinking, like deep thinking. And then one processes information instinctually. So from the gut, you yeah. could even say. Yeah. So gut, head and heart, you could dumb it down to. And so I'll tell quickly what those numbers are, and they are on our website as well. But the eight, the nine, and the one types, often they are, and you can see it very clearly quite often, that they'll make gut-level decisions. They do not take a long time to come up with the march in order. Just intuitive. They know. It's like, it's just, they know. It's just like instinct almost. But this is what it is. Yes. And so then I'll talk about the other two types. And then I think that it's really helpful to say and understand why each one would maybe negatively rub on each other. So if they're in a meeting, they can leave frustrated and that doesn't really move teamwork forward and the goals of the company. So that's why I think this is so helpful to grasp hold of this. So the two, three, and four types are the heart types. So they really, and I fall right into this, and you know this, yes. they fall right into that category of literally being very empathetic and thinking with their heart. I guess that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. That They're feelers. They just, they process all that information. So for instance, if you have a hiring decision to make, that number two type is a connector and they are just so emotionally intuitive, <sighs> but they're feeling every decision. So if you came to them and said, hey, should we welcome this person on our team? These are the strengths that they bring. They're going to feel through it because they're going to be like, ooh, how is that person going to affect this person? How is that person going to affect this girl? Right. And they're going to really take a little bit of time. So they're not a gut person. They're, they're going to take some more time to, to process very through Very empathetic. That. They're going to have empathy. Yeah. So if you're bringing on somebody, they're going to think, well, how would this person feel about us bringing that person on? How would this person feel? That's right. How would that person feel on their first day? And then yeah. what's the last three? 
The last three are the five, the six, and the seven. And they are ones that really take a little bit more time to think about things. They love to ask questions. They love to ponder things. They may want to talk it out even with other people, but they really want to think about like past experiences and build their decision around maybe even some data, particularly the five and six types are real cerebral. Yes. And they want to build backing for their good decision on some strategy, some past experience. Just really think through it. So then it have these three team members. Say you have a, a number eight, a number six, and a number three in a meeting yeah. on a team working towards a goal. And you can really quickly see, especially if the person is not in a healthy place, but let's say they are in a healthy place. Even if they're doing great and all of them are bringing their strengths into the room, you can really quickly see oh, how that they this rub. person over here, yeah, yeah they're they going to rub on it. This person over here is going to say, this is what we need to do. Let's do it. And then this person, that's the feeler, is just thinking, ooh, I need to think about this a little bit more. I need to talk about this a little yeah, bit. I need to think about how this impacts the whole organization. And really, too, there's beauty in thinking through all the sides of all yes, that. Yes, I think so. here's what I would say too. And when you get into some like some of the decision science, like the Daniel Kahneman's thinking fast and slow or the Gary Klein's sources of power that, that really talk about how we make decisions. And when we are thinking fast, we're thinking in the subconscious, our brains are processing things very quickly and we're not really putting intentional thought into it. It's just, we react. And that's mm -hmm. shown to be useful in environments where we have a lot of experience. So if you're one like of those, firefighter. yeah, like a firefighter, yeah. if you're a firefighter yeah. and you walk in and that was actually Gary Klein's example, he's a firefighter walking into a building, it's on fire and your gut tells you it's time you got to get out, then you should trust mm -hmm. your gut. But in situations where we're in uncertainty, then we tend to make poorer decisions if we trust our gut versus going with something like a heuristics or a model or something like that. And Daniel kind of has done a lot of work on that thinking fast and slow. Now, if you are one in the gut triads, then mm -hmm. you're in an environment of uncertainty. That is a place of danger, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you have to have, you have to have that kind of gutsy side to you where you're going out there and charging the hill to want to be an entrepreneur. But on the flip side, you're making decisions in a space many times that's that's not been gone before. That's what you're doing as an entrepreneur. So it yeah. really helps if you can find someone in that head and heart arena to help you see things differently because we tend yeah. to make mistakes if we can't get outside of our own perspective, especially if we're in an uncertain environment that we're not used to. So I think that's yeah. an example. And I've seen it in my career as well in leading different teams and companies. So it's just great to surround yourself with people, diverse diversity in opinions and perspectives. And to know that, like I know that the CFO is going to be dead center, like number five. And so like, I know that mm -hmm. I can go and talk to him and I'm going to get hit a completely different perspective, a very thoughtful perspective. And I know that maybe HR is going to be a number two and I can go and get that perspective. And that's just going to help me make decisions better if I can pull those people in that personality. I was just going to say, because it's not so much, it is about self-awareness, but when you're thinking about a team, self-awareness is wonderful, but team awareness that's the winner. Yeah, yeah. You can not only be aware of how you react in a certain situation, but how your teammate reacts and how that rubs upon you 
Then you don't have to leave work that day and say, oh my goodness, what was their problem? You could say, Dallas is normally spontaneous and he was in there straightening his desk up. Hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> he must be having a stressful Stay day. Stay clear of is him today. Just, it, or, or it can, Dallas, it can do the opposite. It could, it could clear you in and you could say, oh, I think I'm just going to go and ask him how he's doing. Instead of feeling the tension and being like, ooh, I don't want to go anywhere near him. And so then the problem just gets bigger and bigger or just goes further. So instead, you can change the team dynamic by just having some team awareness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I really do love the Enneagram. I think it's very deep. It's a deep, it, there's a lot to learn. And like I said, I'm still learning more about it, about all the types. And I've spent a better part of a year writing our full report, yes. which is what's on the site. What's been one of your biggest surprises as it relates to the Enneagram? And it may be some content from the Enneagram, or it may be something that's arisen out of that. But what's what, what's been one of your biggest surprise when you do anything that you do that's new especially in a tool like this i think the surprise is that people really resonate with it and so i'll give you a couple examples i did a ladies workshop in august and i just it was wonderful i just love those ladies we had the greatest time such a sweet opportunity i was so thankful to do it but in in many cases I just remember in a few ladies with tears in their eyes kind of looking at me after i went through their type with me and they just resonated with it. And they look at their life and some different things they were going through that were hard. But all of us have uptimes and we have downtimes. And so they were able to see when I was in this deep place of hurt, I responded this way. And so for an eight personality, I think one of the one of the ladies was like, I need to soften a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that that personality can be one that's charging the hill that can be known as the challenger, but I also like to think of them as a protector and a provider as well. They're, they pull people close to them. So that was really sweet to see that epiphany. And then another girl who was a one was noticing that she, to have everything right in her home, made her feel good. And she was in a period of transition and they were moving. And so she was feeling like she had so much anxiety in her life and didn't know where that was coming from. And so then when we just broke it down, learning more about that number one personality, about how they do like to have everything organized and right. And that's not wrong to, be, to have that and what that, but it, she just wasn't able to attain it in that time of her life because she had been moving. And so she just threw to your eyes, was just, just amazed to say, oh, this is why I've been like this. And, and now that I'm moved into my house, I'm on the road to recovery because I can create these spaces of organization like I want to going forward. And now you've talked about so the yeah, ladies, you've talked about the girls. Yeah. Let's talk about some guys because you've done this as, as well with the guys. Well, yeah. Let's hear about that. So one thing I started with in that particular workshop was that the Enneagram is for everyone. And so that was one of my rules. I laid some ground rules. And I did that because I had a room full of men and I didn't want the men to be like, this whole flowery conversation about the Enneagram and personalities, I don't want to hear it, then I, which is maybe wrong of me, but I went into that time of that workshop thinking, I wonder what they're going to get out of this and if they're going to like it or not, or if it will be too touchy-feely. So that's why I made that rule, but it's for everyone. It's for women and men. And so I just remember one of the guys was sitting back in his chair and I could just tell by his body language, he didn't know about it. I was like, I wonder if he's a type six because a six is a, I like to call him the questioner. They're very apprehensive at first to be sold or be won over. But once they are, they're, another name for them would be the loyalist. And so once they're won over, they're like, this is great. So all that being said, that's a little bit of a precursor to what I'm about to tell you. But he was sitting back in his seat. And so I went through the ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, get to the six. I still don't know what type he is. 
And I start talking about how the six is in, in different areas of their life. And that a six personality makes a wonderful parent because they're always on the lookout for danger. And they're always warning their children and they're always wanting to pull them close and just ask a lot of questions about their welfare and all of that. But I talked about how a number six personality really makes a good security person, personnel, because they're very aware mm. of a lot of, of the background of what's going on. They take in a lot of that information because they ask questions and they're constantly searching and scanning for something that doesn't seem right. But he sat up and he said, I want you to know, I did not think this was good at all, but I want you to know that I serve on my church's security team. <laughs> and I just started laughing and it was great. And he was kind of won over in that moment. And it, it just cracked me up, but it was neat that the material resonated with him in such a way. It's easy to resonate with the good stuff, but what's helpful is to resonate with the dark side stuff of your personality, to be self-aware about that too. And right. so we got into some of that and I feel that was really helpful. And then in fact, he and about three other guys after the workshop had stopped me in the hall and were just chatting it up about what type do you think my wife is? She's like this and she's like uh -huh. that. So it really is a tool that's for everybody, men and women alike. And I think it's really really helpful. I think that's so interesting too, because if you're a leader, if you're leading a team, it's like you said earlier, having the awareness, the self-awareness is fantastic for your own personal leadership, but having your, the awareness extended through your team, it's almost like rocket fuel because as a leader, it can inform your decisions. Having a number six like that, you would totally see why he would be so good at security. And you could totally see why someone that was a hard charger challenger may need to be paired with someone to balance that out. And so it's if you're trying to get the team dynamics right on a team and you just haven't got it there, this is a great assessment to, to get a baseline, just to get a baseline of where you are. And that's one of the things that we always talk about at Think Move Thrive. One of the things that we believe about assessments is it does give you that baseline so you can start having useful conversations around some really important topics. And whether mm -hmm. that is in your one-on-ones, in the coaching sessions that you're doing, or whether that's at a workshop, or whether that's in whether that's in the break room, it doesn't really matter. You have that baseline. So then if this is who I am, this is my MO, and all of a sudden you see me and I'm organizing stuff and I'm frantic, you know that I'm out of line. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, something's going yeah, on. As a leader, I need to know that. I, I do like how when you constructed and wrote the report that you did not just lean on some of the standard nomenclature of the types because you've mentioned it several times during the show. You felt like this. There's a lot of people that say number one is perfectionist. You felt like there was some negative connotation to that. So I like how you've restructured that and, and made it where it's every type is positive. Every type is positive. It's great. It's every type is every, great. Every type. And every type can be negative. Yeah. But if we're gonna if we're gonna focus on one, we're not gonna slap you in the face right off the bat and say you're this and it's terrible. <laughs> so I think that's yeah. Well, we all have a dark side. Yeah. That's for sure. We all got a dark side. Yeah. One thing I like that we put in there, and I think that people, like I said earlier, go through ups and downs in life. And sometimes you need to talk to somebody like you were saying about talking to a coach and just working through some problems, working through trials that you have in your life or experiences. But one thing that we've done, and I think is particularly helpful, is give some ideas of how each type should move forward in growth. Mm -hmm. And meditation comes up on almost every single type yeah. because just meditating, clearing your mind, even journaling, get it on paper, get it out of their mind so that they can kind of just be refreshed. So I do think that there's a, there's a growth edge 
to each personality yes. of where they can be some things they could be aware of. That's another, know? that's another point that you bring up again on, on getting a baseline. When we're talking about an assessment, whether it's the Enneagram or something else, we're talking about the Enneagram today, but it doesn't matter. It could be another assessment. Not only do you know where the person is today, but you can know if you, if you take a very good assessment, you can know where they could be growing. And that as a coach or a leader, that is a roadmap. That's a roadmap to future success. And if you're not using that, if you're leading a team or just leading yourself and you're not using that to modify routines or to talk about reminders or things like that's really going to be helpful as you grow, find that growth edge, as you said, you're missing a huge opportunity, missing a huge opportunity. How much would it show that you care about one of your team members to individualize not only the assessment, but the growth that they would experience and say, Hey, look, I want yeah. you to take this assessment for my, for as a team. And by the way, we're going to have this conversation about it. And, Oh, here's three areas where I know we've had this conversation. You want to grow and can grow. And I'm going to partner with you in that and help you get there. I think that's huge to build trust and show that you care, yeah. you know, yeah. connect. You care about your employees. Yeah, I love it, Dallas. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so- and we know people that don't care for are going to do a better job. And I remember back to my pharmaceutical days. I had an amazing and several amazing bosses and I would have done anything they asked me to do because they cared for me. They were so precious to me. And when you feel cared for, you want to work harder. You want to do better for the organization that you're in. So uh, even from, like you say, from a coaching perspective, to utilize some of this self-awareness and build that into the the growth of your employees, I think for a leader is very valuable. I think it's been a great conversation around the Enneagram today. And I'm very glad we finally, I was finally able to convince you to come on the last 10% to talk about it. And uh, a little like, nervous. We uh, had a lot of great guests. I know. We've had, some, <laughs> we've had some great guests. I do ask this to all the guests. So you're no different. I always ask the guests at the end of the show, who's somebody that you would like for us to go after to, to have on the last 10%. And so you are not going to be surprised by this. One of my favorite people, and I'll describe her on the Enneagram as a two, probably. Uh-huh. A two is a helper, a giver, a connector. Okay. So fun. Very high EQ. But Dolly Parton, Dallas, <laughs> if you could get Dolly Parton on the show, it would be very great. And in fact, at the last retreat I did, I used one of her quotes, and it said, "Find it, it, this is one of her quotes on self-awareness. Find out who you are and do it on purpose. And that, that oh, sounds like that's, Dolly. That sounds it? like Dolly. That sounds like a song. Sounds like Dolly. <laughs> Now, so I uh, will do our best. We are, we will do our best to get Dolly, but she has, yes, her calendar is full. But if you like that, we may not have Dolly on the next episode, but we actually, funny enough that you should request Dolly, may actually have something that you'll enjoy listening to as it relates to Dolly on the next episode. So we'll keep that teaser for the next episode, but we'll do our best. We'll reach out to Dolly and see if she can, she can work in the last 10% on her busy schedule and, uh, and see if we can get her on the show. That'll be good. You never know. Thank you again, Danielle, for being on the show today. Thanks for sharing about the Enneagram and how we can build connection and understanding and self-awareness with our teams and ourselves. And thanks for being on. And I'm sure this is not the last time that I hope I can talk you into being on the last 10%. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us today on the last 10%. We hope you found today's content engaging and encouraging. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us so others will join our community. We release new episodes every other Tuesday. 
This podcast can be found globally in any podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Subscribe today. Plus, visit our website, join our email list, and discover resources and info for your business and team at thinkmovethrive.com. Thanks again for listening to The Last 10%.